Hi, all, and Happy New Year. Welcome to Aaron Fox's National Security Podcast Series. My name is Marwa Hassoun. I'm a partner in Errant Fox's International Trade Group, and today my colleague Travis Mullaney from our Government Contracts Group will help us navigate Section 889 of the John McCain National Defense Authorization Act, NDAA, for fiscal year 2019. Travis, thanks so much for joining the podcast today. Thanks, Sam. I'm happy to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, absolutely. So I'm a government contracts attorney here at Aaron Fox. Been here for about a year. Before that, I was at a couple other law firms and I've been doing government contracts work for about the past 10 years now. My practice essentially involves anything and everything that touches on government contracts, including advising on bid protests, contract negotiations, internal investigations, litigating contract claims and disputes, even M&A issues that involve government contractors. And it also includes advising on regulatory compliance issues, sort of like the one we'll be discussing here today. So, as you mentioned, today we're talking about regulatory compliance and Section 889 is really interesting and has gotten a lot of attention lately, especially with government contractors trying to ensure compliance. So, it has two parts and we're going to break down both sections of Section 889. The first relates to a prohibition on U.S. government agencies from procuring or obtaining and some other activities, certain telecommunications equipment or services that are either a substantial or essential component of any system or a critical technology of any system. The second part of Section 889 relates to a similar prohibition on government contractors. So Travis, getting right to the meat, please help us understand Section 889. Absolutely. Well, I think you had a good overview there initially. And key point to realize is that what this really is, is a restriction on the government, right? So it's saying what the government can buy with its money. And the way that they've done that is they've taken that and put it into the implementing regulations and said, contractors don't provide this equipment to us. And separately, we don't want you to be using any of these covered telecommunications equipment anywhere in your business. So that's sort of the key distinction between what the first part that you mentioned in the second part that you mentioned is, which is the first part, one, contractors are prohibited from providing this covered telecommunications equipment to the government. And under the second part, they're prime contractors, contractors that have a direct contractual relationship with the government are in contractual privity, then they are prohibited from using covered telecommunications equipment anywhere in their business. And that second sort of use restriction has very broad implications for contractors. And we're seeing a lot with respect to that as that sort of develops. Travis, just so we can all be on the same page, can you explain what we're talking about when you say covered telecommunications equipment or services? Sure, absolutely. So what covered telecommunications equipment is, is it's equipment or services that are either produced or put out by any one of five Chinese-owned companies or their known or unknown affiliates and subsidiaries. So this is certainly the five entities that are covered, and this can be either cell phones that we're talking about. It can include things like Internet of Things devices. Certainly security cameras and video surveillance is explicitly mentioned and discussed. And when we're talking about video surveillance or equipment, we're talking about that component in the context of critical protection of, for example, critical infrastructure and things of that nature. So it is a broad definition and it actually allows for the Department of Defense to designate additional entities that might come under its rubric as well, which I think we'll be discussing a little bit later. So Travis, the second part sounds actually really broad as it focuses on use. Does it impact both primes and sub-tiers? 
Good question. Yeah, absolutely. So the use restriction is actually limited directly to prime contractors. As I said, those with a direct contractual relationship with the government. It does not actually flow down to sub-tiers. But in order for prime contractors to fulfill their obligations to the government, they have to make a certification. And this certification basically says that they are not using this equipment anywhere in their business. So what we're seeing is that these prime contractors are flowing down this requirement to their sub-tiers, even though it is not a mandatory requirement. And whether or not the contractors accept that is sort of a matter of contractual negotiation. And it sort of depends on the leverage of the situation, whether or not the sub-tiers will actually accept that. But we are seeing everywhere in the supply chain that this use certification is arising. And we are advising clients regularly on how and what they should do to respond to these requests that are coming from higher tier contractors. So Travis, when was Section 889 implemented? Well, that's a good question. So because there were two components and two parts of the restriction, they were actually implemented at separate times. So the first part of the restriction, the prohibition on providing covered telecommunications equipment or services to the government, went into effect in August of 2019. And the second part of the restriction, which dealt with sort of whether or not a prime contractor uses covered telecommunications equipment anywhere in their business, didn't go into effect until August of 2020, so just late last year. And then a sort of separate but related component of it, which is the representation that contractors are required to be made. Initially, contractors were only required to make that representation on a solicitation by solicitation basis. But as of fall of last year, uh, 2020, now contractors are required to make an annual representation in the system forward management. So that is also a relatively new component that has gone into effect and is all part of the implementation plan for the Section 889 restrictions. That's actually really helpful to understand. I think there's a lot of confusion about who needs to certify and for what reasons they're getting asked for the certification. So what is the background of Section 889? Where does the government's concern stem from? I think one of the things that is worth highlighting is all the telecommunications equipment relate to those manufactured by certain Chinese telecommunication companies. That's exactly right. Absolutely. So what this concern stems from is basically concerns about sort of weakest link in the government supply chain that somewhere there might be a Chinese owned telecommunications company that has built in a backdoor that allows exfiltration of data, in particular government data, that might get back and sort of affect our national security interests. So that's really where the concern is arising out of. And the way that they have done this is to basically say, okay, well, you have to certify that nowhere are you using this equipment so that we don't have any touch points that would create that sort of concern about exfiltration of data. So it's interesting that this also is another piece of another prohibition related to China. We've seen a lot of U.S. government focus on China lately, including significant export control changes, for example, related to Hong Kong and military end users and end uses, as well as some sanctions. More recently, the Department of Defense's Communist Chinese Military Companies list has been published. And that was, I find really interestingly, required from the NDAA for fiscal year 1999. And that section is referred to as 1237. So it's a DOD list of communist Chinese military companies. The main thing we've seen in relation to that is on November 12th, President Trump issued an executive order prohibiting investment by U.S. persons in companies on that list. Is there any overlap between Section 1237 and Section 889? 
Yes, absolutely. So all of this is what it's talking about is, you know, covered telecommunications equipment. And what covered telecommunications equipment refers to is to telecommunications equipment uh, that, again, has the ability to transmit data that is essentially produced or manufactured by any of five different Chinese-owned companies. But there is a separate provision of Section 889 that says that the Department of Defense has the ability to designate additional entities as being subject to this restriction. And so because this comes from the DOD, it is believed that the Section 1237 list to which you just referred has complete overlap with the Section 889 designation such that to the extent that the Department of Defense is going through the exercise of designating entities as being Chinese-owned, that those would also potentially be subject subject to the same exact restrictions under Section 889. Now, we do believe that there's probably an extra step that's required to actually make this impact contractors. And that's because a recent rule, which basically requires contractors to represent in the system forward management, whether or not they're complying with the Section 889 restrictions, also says that contractors only have to essentially review the exclusions that are listed in the system for award management as to whether or not the equipment and services that they're providing would be covered. And so because these Section 1237 entities have not yet been included in the system forward management, we believe that additional step will be required to actually make it affect contractors, but that additional step could happen at any time, at any day. So, you know, we are advising our clients to, you know, definitely monitor the entities that have been designated under the Section 1237 list. There have been four tranches just this year, and any of those entities and or their affiliates could be added as excluded under Section 89 and SAM at any time. So let's shift gears to the practical impact of Section 889. From a compliance perspective, what is the impact of Section 889 for government contractors? So you mentioned there's the SAM certification. What else do we need to worry about? So again, having to make the annual representations and then the effect of that on down the supply chain. Basically, contractors are being bombarded with requests from everyone they do business with to find out whether they can meet the requirements, essentially, of the, of the regulation, whether they can certify their compliance. So even if contractors are not prime contractors and they don't do business directly with the government, maybe they only have one contract in one limited area, they're getting these certifications and they're having to determine and conduct sort of the reasonable inquiry and do the due diligence to determine whether or not they can make these certifications to higher tier contractors. And even contractors that essentially they do no business with the government, maybe they just interact with a big company that ultimately does do business with the government, they may be asked these same questions. So it's a lot of investigation and determining compliance compliance with ability to comply with the certifications, being able to make those representations accurately to avoid potential liability. I mean, this is something that could potentially, if it's done knowingly, result in criminal or civil liability if it's done incorrectly. So it's very important that they're able to make these certifications and make them correctly and, and put appropriate policies into place to ensure that people are not adding cover telecommunications equipment on down the line. It's a good time now to, if they haven't already, to begin phasing out and to understand all the touch points where this potential cover telecommunications equipment could come into the supply chain. So Travis, let's say that you can't comply right now because either the prime or the subcontractors are unable to make the representation. I know there's a waiver. Can you just briefly tell us about that? My understanding is there isn't a formal process to apply for a waiver. 
Right. So the regulations certainly contemplate that one-time waivers may be requested by contractors, and those waivers will be granted on a case-by-case basis for up to a two-year period. If a contractor is to request a waiver, they have to provide, among other things, compelling justification for the additional time needed. They have to provide a full and complete laydown of presences of covered telecommunications equipment within their supply chain, and they have to provide a phase-out plan. So we are honestly not seeing a lot of these one-time waiver requests. What we have seen is there had been some agency wide waivers in a couple of instances where, for example, the Department of Defense sort of sought delayed implementation of some of these clauses and the requirement to include them in every solicitation. But that was over a matter of months. As we get further and further removed from the effective date of the rules that implemented Section 889, we are seeing less and less of these agency waivers. And so we don't believe that waivers will be a significant component for contractor compliance, but they are an option. One potential problem is that in particular with the use restriction, what we're seeing is that if a contractor represents noncompliance, that is treated as a automatic request for a waiver. And so this is essentially evaluated at the bid stage. So a contractor would have to go into a bid knowing that they have either in their SAM or that they've actually submitted as part of their proposal a representation that they do not comply with Section 889. And the agency will certainly review that as part of their evaluation. And it could certainly lead to the contractor potentially not being selected or even being disqualified in some instances. And even if they're not, even if a contractor is selected, it potentially could be formed the basis of a protest later on. that there were offerers that were able to represent compliance with the clause and that because the contractor is not and that information is available in the system forward management that they should not have been selected for award. So waivers we do not believe should be a significant part of a compliance plan, but it is an available option. It is out there and in certain appropriate instances could be utilized. Travis, do you have any advice for what government contractors can do to ensure compliance? I know you've touched on some things, but perhaps... Uh, consolidate some of the information and also any other tips that you have. Certainly, sure. First of all, doing the investigation, doing the due diligence, the reasonable inquiry to determine where the equipment might be in the supply chain, requesting appropriate certifications from suppliers and vendors and subcontractors, ensuring to flow down the FAR clause that requires subcontractors not to provide covered telecommunications equipment as part of a government contract. And then outside of just government contracting policies, just also ensuring that employees are aware that, for example, if you have a bring your own cell phone policy, that the employees are not bringing in covered telecommunications equipment in the form of, for example, a Huawei cell phone or something like that as part of a bring your own device policy. So investigating it there as well. The second thing is that you want to make sure that as the contractors preparing proposals for government contracts, that they do appropriately do research in the system forward management to see whether their subcontractors are representing compliance and otherwise being mindful of the restrictions and the ongoing development of how this will play out in the government context. And I'm sure we'll be writing a few alerts on it as it continues to change. Last question for you. How do you think the Biden administration is going to take up Section 889? Should we expect any expansion or changes on the prohibitions? 
Yeah, you know, that's a great question and one that certainly we've been looking at. Our thought is that the Biden administration will not significantly change this policy. This is believed to be a relatively bipartisan issue. Certainly, there remains concerns on both sides of the aisle as to the encroaching impact of these Chinese-owned companies. And we believe that the policies will remain in place, albeit with a more multilateral approach. We expect the Biden administration will reach out to allies and looking at how they are dealing with these issues and a decision-making process that involves more input from external stakeholders, in particular international allies. This has been so helpful, Travis. I think it has provided a platform for our government contract clients and friends to be able to further understand Section 889. Thank you so much for joining us today, and hopefully we'll talk soon on another national security podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure being here with you today.